Hello and welcome to episode five of the Views from the Lineout Rugby Union podcast. It's Jeremy here. So um, this episode, I'm going to talk about the final round of fixtures in the Aviva Premiership, the England training squad, and then anything else that sort of comes to mind, really. But um, before we even get on to anything like that, if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to it in iTunes, SoundCloud, and on TuneIn. Uh, Views from the Lineout is what you can search to find it. You can also follow me on Twitter, so that's at Jeremy Springall, and that is J-E-R-E-M-Y-S-P-R-I-N-G-A-L-L. You can find us on Facebook, so facebook.com slash views from the line out, and that is V-I-E-W-S-F-R-O-M-T-H-E-L-I-N-E-O-U-T. Um, and you can also check out my kind of personal blog website, which is jeremyspringall.wordpress.com. Uh, I'd love to hear any comments you have, any feedback. So please feel free to subscribe to the podcast, rate it, leave your comments and feedback. I tend to go and have a look. And if there is any on there, I definitely reach out to respond and start a conversation and see how things are going. So, um, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be awesome if you could. So really on to the main bulk of this episode, so episode five, where we're talking about the final round of the regular season in the Aviva Premiership and the games and the results and things like that. So here we go. So first one up we're really going to talk about is um, Bristol versus Newcastle. So that finished 27 to Bristol, 39 to Newcastle. Um, as I sort of, pre- I made a few predictions last week and this is one where I predicted Newcastle to win. And they duly did. Um, it's been a difficult season for Bristol. They kind of came up. They didn't have a lot of time to recruit some seriously uh, high-quality players. Um, but the guys who came up under Andy Robinson to begin with, they really gave it a good shout, and they were just a bit unlucky. Um, so partway through the season, Robinson got replaced with Mark Tainton, who is a legend down in Bristol, like top point scorer for the club, now involved in the coaching side. And he's moving more into the directorship side next year, I believe. But um, they then ended up getting some really good players in throughout the year, mainly Jason Woodward, who actually worked wonders for them and was so impressive. But another guy who's really impressed me um, has been Will Hurrell uh, in the centres for Bristol, signed from Doncaster Knights, I think it was. He's just been, a, I think he's had more turnovers than any other player in the Premiership. And for a centre, that's incredible. But he's hard, he's nuggety, he runs good lines. So yeah, hopefully he'll get snapped up by. Um, a premiership side leading into next season because he's definitely good enough to play at that level. But um, this fixture was quite important for Newcastle because they were challenging to get into the Champions Cup, uh, which is a premier European competition. Uh, but unfortunately, they were just unlucky. They didn't quite... Other fixtures went their way, which meant they didn't quite get into the position they needed to in the league. But congratulations to them for getting their highest league finish. And I think that was for... Approximately the last 15 years, they've never finished as high as eighth. So great news for the guys in Newcastle. Dean Richards has really been rebuilding his reputation up there after Bloodgate down in Harlequins. But he has built a pretty serious squad up there with backline talent like like, uh, Juan Pablo Cicino, Sinotti Sinotti, Veroniki Gonova are doing really good things up there. And then he's got a really hard, like just a really tough forward pack. Mark Wilson's in there. He's, he's yeah, it's just a really... They've got a production line and a half in the forwards. Players like George McGuigan and stuff like that, who are now at Leicester Tigers, has been... Yeah, they just seem to churn them out. So great news to see a Northern club doing well and uh, finishing high up the league as well. 
The next one was Northampton Saints versus Harlequins, and that finished with uh, 22 to 20 with Northampton Saints winning that. Um, both these sides were going for the final sixth place position, which would have secured them European Champions Cup. Uh, Quins, so Harlequins managed to do this despite losing because they uh, secured a losing bonus point. And this meant that no matter the result from Northampton, I think that they would have got that position anyway. So great news for Quinns to have got that, especially with it being the last game for Quinns for Nick Evans, as he says goodbye. And I talked about that last week in terms of uh, player retirements. Um, But, you know, Northampton, they seem to just be sort of sliding a bit. Seventh place, not particularly great for them. Um, Louis Picamol, though, was fantastic in this game. And you've got to hope they can keep hold of him because if the rumours are true, he's going to be heading back to France to Montpellier next season and he'll be a big loss for them uh, because he's been the only person who's really replaced Samu Manoa since he left years ago to go to Toulon in the south of France. But... um, Saints, yeah, they're kind of a bit of a sleeping giant. They were in the Premiership final a few years ago, always challenging at the top end, but they just seem to have been sliding down the table at the minute. And you never really see, other than Harry Malander recently, you never really see any youngsters that are coming through their academy. So you kind of got to worry about what's happening to that production line into the first team squad and things like that. But also I saw some press out there from the, um, I think it's the owner of Saints, so the CEO of Northampton Saints, where he was criticising the culture of rugby, how it's become much more like football, where these millionaire or billionaire owners are basically splashing the cash to kind of get the players in. It's creating an unlevel playing field. Well, I kind of think that smells a bit like sour grapes to me because Saints certainly have not been afraid to splash the cash. You know, you've got to look at it. Louis Picamol, George North is another player where they've really pushed the boat out to get these kind of guys into their squads and into their teams. And they were always at the top of the league as well for a while. And it seems like just because they've slipped down through, be it either poor coaching, poor transition of players into the first 15 from the academy, poor culture, something like that, that basically he seems to want to blame it on something else other than do a root cause of like what's really been the situation at his club. And while well, he's leaving at the end of the season, a new person's coming in to take over the running of Northampton Saints. So we'll have to see how it goes. But it might be just about time for the Jim Malander and Dorian West coaching setup to maybe have a bit of a shake-up to revitalise Saints because they've been there a long time. They were pretty successful. But like I said, they've been on the slide recently and it's not good for the Saints fans. Um, but, you know, it does present opportunities to other sides. But they tend to be really well-supported, well-followed, and they've got a big local derby with Leicester Tigers as well. So we'll see what happens. But... Um, Hopefully they'll make some good signings for next season and we'll go from there. And um, Another game then, Sale versus Bath. Um, I predicted Bath to win this uh, and I was pleasantly surprised to see that Sale won 27-24. Um, and on this game, Bath were basically challenging for a top four finish at the end of season playoffs and they were relying on Leicester losing, uh, but they had to win the game themselves, which they didn't in this case. Um, Sale managed to hold on at the death, which has been a problem for them all year long. So they were like 25-10 up or something like that, or 23-10 up at half time. And then they just had this screw started turn on them. Bath started to get back into the game. They brought big power runners on, big players starting to get over the game line. And this has been the issue with Sale all season, is they don't know how to stem the tide. And 
Uh, well, this time they certainly did. <laughs> they managed to hold on and win, which has been fantastic for them. Uh, Denny Solomona and Josh Charnley, their two rugby league converts, scored tries. Um, the Curry twins started at six and seven in the back row, so open side and blind side flanker. Uh, they managed to get young props on the pitch, like James Flynn and Jake Pope. Uh, Josh Beaumont started at number eight as a youngster. AJ McGinty really was looking fantastic in that game. It's taken him a long time to settle into that first team, but he started to show all the promise he did when he was at Connaught in Ireland. And he was challenging the line, great kicking game. It's just sales seem to lose these kind of arm wrestles every now and then. So hopefully some of their big signings, particularly John O'Ross next year in the back row, will hopefully help with that. But um, yeah, I was super impressed by it. It was a really entertaining game, end-to-end. And uh, Neil Briggs, uh, final game for the Bath team before moving into academy coaching. Um, yeah, pretty much finished his last game, as I can only imagine he ever would have done, to be honest. I, I like Neil Briggs as a player. He's combative, abrasive, but he's always got a yellow card in him. And it turned out that was happening again this time with a bit of a scuffle with Francois Lowe um, on the floor at the end there with both of them getting simbined. But um, yeah, saying a l- goodbye to a lot of players in Sale um, and best of luck to them and everything they've done for the club. Uh, I, as a Sale fan, really appreciate it and think it's going to be interesting for next season. So hopefully we'll get some more signings in and we can kind of go with there. But good performance. Great to see players like Mike Hay- Haley coming into it again and really starting to show the form of last season as well. Um, same with Sam James. But um, yeah, Denny Solomono and Josh Charney was really looking good, actually, I thought. Defensively, there's a bit of a question mark over him at the minute. But attacking-wise, get the ball in his hands and he does make yardage. He really does. You could see they were trying to work him on plays from the blindside wing. Um, these little cutout passes uh, for him to exploit the gaps. And he did manage to get a f- quite a decent amount of yardage in there as well, which was always good. So... A full off-season for him into next year. Hopefully he'll show his kind of try-scoring prowess that he did at Wigan and Rugby League. And then there'll be really potent wings with Solomono and Charnley going there. That'll be fantastic for the club. Uh, Next game was Worcester Warriors versus Leicester Tigers. So I predicted a Leicester Tigers win on this um, last week. And Leicester did. They won 28-23, which was a lot tighter than I thought it would be. Um, through the win, though, Leicester were able to secure the fourth spot. Um, and it was mainly through the boot of Freddie Burns, who's off to Bath next year. He's He scored so many points in that game. It was like one try, for, uh, so five points for Leicester. And then I think it must have been around 22 points, 23 points for... Um, shows how bad my maths is there. 23 for Freddie Burns. He just dropped goals, conversions, penalties. He really carried them through. And towards the end of the season... He's really shown himself as a leader within that squad and everything he's been able to do. He's been getting really high point hauls per game. So I really think they're going to miss him. And I don't quite think that George Ford is going to fill that gap that they want them to. His kicking's a bit more erratic. It's kind of, yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. But uh, Matt O'Connor, who has been the third head coach of Leicester Tigers this year, said he was sad to see Freddie Burns go and that there's a lot of potential still within him. So hopefully he'll be able to um, fulfill that at his hometown club Bath next season, which it'll be interesting to see how they both Freddie Burns goes at Bath and George Ford goes back at Leicester again. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting game. Lots of positive for Worcester Warriors though, uh, and especially under the leadership of Gary Gold. 
They have become an exceptionally difficult team to beat. He has brought through a number of youngsters into that side with um, Carl Hogg, who has been in charge of them for most of the season. And they've done a really good job, actually. They've become, like, yeah, they were a bit, you know, they let themselves down in a few scrimmages, a few kicks out on the full. But really, they have improved immeasurably, especially with um, Francois Houhard back in fitness as well, pulling the strings at number nine. And if they make some big signings for next year, which I wouldn't put past them, they always seem to be able to pull out a couple of really good names uh, each season, then I can't see them being near the bottom for long. And they have a huge potential. Cecil Duckworth, the owner, has been pumping money into that club hand over fist for season after season. And it's about time they rewarded him with something for it because he just, as much as he loves the club, I can't see him sustaining it forever, that amount of investment in there. But they've got a great stadium as well, a decent catchment area for fans. So hopefully next year they'll go really well. And thinking about next year, it's going to be looking really tight as to who's going to be near the bottom, that's for sure. Um, but moving on to the next game, sorry, the next game, uh, Gloucester versus Exeter Chiefs. Um, Exeter Chiefs needed to win to secure a home uh, playoff semi-final spot at the end of season playoffs, and they did. They got another bonus point. They just can't stop scoring tries at the minute. They won thirty-four to twenty. Um, apparently, so they were down at half time. It was looking a bit ropey, but then they just blew Gloucester away in the second half and really just came out there and put the pedal to the metal and just yeah, just knocked them off the park. Um, Johnny May was of Gloucester was looking clinical as ever on the wing for them. It really showed his pace with two tries. Um, one an intercept and he just went and nobody could get near him. So hopefully again, Gloucester have signed really heavily for next year. A number of serious players. And it'd be interesting to see how they all merge because they're a big club who have just flattered to deceive. It must have been about 10 years ago now, when, um, especially when Phil Vickery was playing and stuff like that, the Raging Bull. They were right at the top of the league. They were winning it season after season, but then it just never really, nothing ever came from that. It was really unusual and strange, but hopefully now we'll see what happens. It looks like hopefully um, David Humphreys, their director of rugby, can learn from what happened with Mark McCall at Saracens and do the same thing. That'll be quite interesting. But well done, Exeter. You know, you guys worked your way up through the leagues didn't get relegated your first season in and have never looked back since and you're just an incredible club I love Exeter Chiefs just the tomahawk chop from the crowd uh just the just they're absolutely crazy I love it and they bring through so many academy players so you look at it you've got Alec Hepburn Luke Cowan Dickey Sam Hill Henry Slade Jack Nowell um, Dave Ewers, I mean, the Simmons brothers who are now coming through as well, Jack Maunder, Stu Townsend, they just seem to bring these players through and through, and the production line is fantastic, and moving into a team that is winning and playing at the top end of the league is only developing these players amazingly well for potential international call-ups and things, and yeah, it's it's brilliant. I love watching them play. They play the game in the right way in my mind, where they go after the tries to try and win it. And the coaching setup up there is absolutely wonders. I mean, Rob Baxter is pretty much Exeter Chiefs after Tony Rowe, the owner. Uh, he played there with his brother for years and years and years and then moved into the head, head coach position. And it's just been fantastic for them. He is absolutely brilliant. 
and um, they do really well in Europe at the same time. So I'm looking forward to seeing them play in the playoffs and really challenging teams at the same time. So it'd be pretty interesting to see how that goes. Um, and then the final game that really I haven't talked about so far has been Wasps versus Saracens, um, where it could have changed so much on this in terms of the final league positions. There was so much up to play for it because Wasps going into the fixture were first in the league, Saracens were third, but it was only a three-point separation. Um, so if Saracens had have won, they would have leaped for Wasps if Wasps didn't get a bonus point. But and there were so many permutations, it was unbelievable. But basically, um, Wasps blew them away, 35-15. And one of the reasons for this is that Saracens decided to rest some of their key players, players like Maro Atoje, um, players like Brad Barrett, Owen Farrell, the Vunapola brothers for this game, because they've got the Champions Cup final against Clermont Auvergne next week. And you can understand, he can't just like pump them out and out and out. He wants them fit and ready for the big games. And they are finals and playoffs. And they knew they were secured in the playoff anyway. So he's taken the option to rest them. And unfortunately, yeah, Wasps unbeaten all season at home. Uh, continued that on and secured a home semi-final. Secured top spot for the first time since the playoffs were introduced. And Thomas Young was unbelievably impressive in that game scored three tries made himself a real nuisance at the breakdown and he should get caught up into the Welsh squad for the summer tours this uh, this season because he's really showing unbelievable ability at the minute and it says everything about you when a legend of the game George Smith who was there last year was goes to the head coach and goes why are you picking me when your son is outdoing me um, it says everything you need to know that he looks like he's really learned from uh george smith unbelievably because he is yeah looking fantastic in that side and it was they really put an end to a slump that they've been having recently where they lost a couple of games and they needed to because otherwise they could have been a little bit out of it and away and gone to be honest with you so how did the final table at the end of the regular season look well in top spot we had wasps on 84 points we then had Exeter on 84 points, so there was only a points differential that separated them. Um, I mean, Exeter accumulated so many bonus points. They're 18 bonus points, so four more than anybody else in the entire league. But Wasps were just winning and winning and winning and managed to get that points difference up like, a lot more. Um, then we also have Saracens in third on 77, Leicester Tigers in fourth on 66, Bath in fifth, Harlequins in sixth, so Bath and Harlequins qualify for the European Cup next year. Uh, seventh on points difference from Harlequins was Northampton Saints, and they're going to have to wait and to see how Gloucester do in the Challenge Cup final uh, coming up next weekend, because if Gloucester win that, they then go into the playoffs for the, the premier European competition instead of Northampton uh, as winners of the Challenge Cup. So... Nervous times for Northampton there as well. They'll have to wait and see how that goes. Um, then in eighth, Newcastle. Great finish for them. Gloucester in ninth. I'm really surprised by that because they seem to have such talent within their squad. I mean, um, John Afoa at prop, Richard Hibbard at hooker. You've got, you had Greg Laidlaw at nine as well. Ben Morgan at number eight, uh, an England international who's not been in the squad recently. James Hook, a Welsh international, um, British and Irish Lion. You've got Pace on the Wings and Charlie Sharples and Johnny May. Um, Tom Marshall, who was playing fullback, was fantastic, although he was injured for quite a lot of the year. So they have real talent. So I'm surprised they finished that low. But, um, 
like I said earlier, we'll see where their signings come out with next year because they've made a fairly large number. Then in uh, 10th were Sale Sharks. So after the success of last year where they finished 6th, quite a drop down for them. Their home form wasn't quite as good and their away form was the same as usual. Um, no wins in the European Ch- uh, Champions Cup either. So it's a bit of a strange season for them. But they did lose a couple of key players in the off-season in Tommy Taylor and Danny Cipriani to Wasps. Um, and it just shows that they're stuff told. Although I, I have been really impressed with Rob Webber throughout the season as it's been going on at Hooker. He's really shown a lot of his leadership and his experience and tried to drive himself forward. So hopefully, um, leading into next season in the preseason training, he'll drive the standards there to make them even better as well, which would be great. Um, so they were on 40 points. Then 11th was Worcester Warriors on 33. And then Bristol, uh, 12th and bottom on 20 points. So, yeah. Um, so quite interesting, really. And so playing in the end of season playoffs, we've got Wasps, Exeter, Saracens and Leicester. And it'll be Wasps at home versus Leicester Tigers. So first versus fourth. And then Exeter at Sandy Park. So their home stadium versus Saracens, which will be amazing because um, down at Sandy Park, it is like the wind is really unique there if you're kicking. So Steenson has got that down to a T, the fly half for Exeter and same with Henry Slade. Owen Farrell, though, an amazing kicker. Those guys should be back in that squad and that lineup for that fixture as well. So it should be really interesting. Two teams with quite contrasting styles. Exeter really like to run run it, try and like wear other teams out, exploit gaps. Saracens tend to strangle you and just suffocate you as a side through defense. And then if an opportunity comes, they immediately switch to all-out attack. And the, yeah, it's very impressive to watch them play. So we'll kind of see how that goes. But otherwise, what do we have for kind of next season? Well, sorry, before even the end of this season, there's promotion from uh, the Rugby Championship um, in the UK. And basically, we ha- I talked about it last week in terms of the permutations for it and what you need for it. So please feel free to go back and listen to that podcast. But in uh, the leg two of the semifinals... We had um, Yorkshire Carnegie playing Ealing Trailfinders, and um, despite Carnegie losing the second of the two games, they did do enough through the boot of Joe Ford to make sure they had enough points to win on aggregate against Ealing Trailfinders, which puts them into the final. So it's great to see uh, Northern, another Northern club up there doing the business. Um, and they really do bring through a lot of talent. So I mentioned this last week, I believe it was. Alex Lozowski was there, Paul Hill of... Uh, Northampton Saints has been there. Ex-player Stuart Hooper, who was at Bath, had been there, uh, brought through their academies. Jordan Crane, who was at Leicester Tigers, had come from there. Danny Kerr, who was at Harlequins, had come from there. Um, Jack Walker, who's currently a hooker at Bath, was from there originally as well. They just seem to have a real production line of good players. So um, hopefully we'll see how they do. And then in the other match, it was the second leg of London Irish versus Doncaster Knights. And um, London Irish just maintained their impressive fo- uh, form throughout the whole season in winning that game and uh, fairly easily by the looks of it. And they also won on aggregate in overall. So that makes the final London Irish versus um, Yorkshire Carnegie. Two legs, we'll see how it goes. But really, I find it hard to look beyond London Irish and the the kind of premiership pedigree they have in their squad. Yorkshire Carnegie haven't played in the premiership for a number of seasons so I, I think it would be a straight straight back up for London Irish. But you never know with these playoffs. I mean, Bristol had enough heartache, heartache over the years. 
So anything, anything could happen. It'll be quite interesting to see how it goes. Okay, so um, really the next thing to sort of talk about is that um, today, so uh, the 7th, I think it is, yeah, the 7th, um, England Rugby and Eddie Jones has mentioned, has released um, a training camp. So he's named 20 players to go in an England training camp, which potentially would look at players who would be playing against the Barbarians in a test um, in May, so the end of May before the tour to Argentina in June. Um, and actually, it's, it looks like it's quite an interesting one. So this is a really good opportunity for him to look at players who aren't in the squad um, to kind of get an assessment of how they go. But also, he can only pick players who aren't involved in the end of season playoffs. So only players who aren't uh, who are playing for clubs, not including Saracens, Exeter, Wasps, and Leicester. So it gives like a really good opportunity to look at some other players that he might normally not look at. So he's named 20 players, so 9 forwards, 11 backs. And in the forwards, we have Rob Buchanan of Harlequins, Will Collier of Harlequins, Ben and Tom Curry of Sale Sharks, uh, Tom Ellis and Charlie Yules of Bath, Ross Harrison of Sale, Chris Robshire of Harlequins, and Will Spencer of Worcester Warriors. In the backs, it's Mike Brown and Danny Kerr of Harlequins, George Ford of Bath, Mike Haley of Sale Sharks, Perry Humphreys of Worcester Warriors, Sam Jones of Sale Sharks, Joe Marchant of Harlequins, Ryan Mills of Worcester Warriors, Denny Solomono of Sale Sharks, Jason Woodward of Bristol, and Marlon Yard of Harlequins. Um, so I think this is really, I think there's a couple of really interesting things in here. And one of them is no Newcastle players, uh, which I'm a little bit surprised about because I would have thought someone like Mark Wilson might have been in there. Um, but then also the selection of Jason Woodward. So he used to play for the Hurricanes in New Zealand, New Zealand born, but I believe to English uh, an English parent, which makes him English qualified. But um, it's interesting that he's been selected in that and the other fullbacks in there are Mike Haley and Mike Brown. So I sort of almost see that as a competition between Haley and Woodward as to who's going to replace Mike Brown going forwards. And I mean, Mike Haley was fantastic last year. He started to really get into form. He's a young guy. I think he's an exceptional player. But Jason Woodward, his form for Bristol this year, scoring tries, creating everything, he has been phenomenal. And I, I would be really interested to see him in an England setup with some of the centres. Like, imagine uh, Woodward breaking from the back. He can play on the wing as well. He can play outside centre. He can cover a number of positions. He's just an intelligent rugby player, which you would expect from an education in New Zealand and their rugby ways. So I'm really excited to see him kind of selected in that. And I think, um, yeah, I reckon in the next year he'll be pulling on a Red Rose English jersey for for a full test cap um, and perhaps be in the fullback to go to for 2019 in Japan. Um, I, I honestly think he's that good. I think it's going to be really interesting. But... Um, yeah, this offers a lot of opportunity for players. There's someone like Tom Ellis, who's never been involved with the England setup before. He's playing at Bath Rugby. First year as a breakthrough back rower at Bath, he's actually done really well. And that was mainly an opportunity afforded by a, a large number of injuries. But then you've got a lot of players from Worcester Warriors, actually, who have done really well this year, like Perry Humphreys is a young lad who's done exceptionally well. Ryan Mills and Will Spencer as well have, have steered the ship and guided them through. But then a couple of experienced players like Mike Brown, like I said, Danny Kerr, George Ford, uh, Chris Robshaw. So you've kind of got like that core 
leadership squad in there as well. So it'll be really interesting to see how they go against the Barbarians, which, um, yeah, it'll be in, it'll be an interesting game. That's for sure. So, um, we'll have to see how that goes and see how, who he selects as a side. Cause it might give an indication as to who might be involved in, um, the awesome international squads if they perform well. Okay. And really, um, Final sort of thing, it's, it's on quite a, a sort of sad note and it sort of is more of a somber note that puts the whole game into perspective. But um, Ben Youngs has decided to withdraw from the Lions Tour to New Zealand that takes place in June uh, to support his brother Tom Youngs, whose wife has unfortunately um, got terminal cancer. Um, and it, it really puts the whole thing into perspective that it's just a sport. But he's he needs to he's decided he wants to be there for his brother, which is perfectly understandable. Um, they're by all intents and purposes they're really close brothers and a very close family. As discussions from everything I've seen in the media on announcing this is that you know he basically yeah it's it's a great sacrifice for something that is potentially the pinnacle of his sporting career. But there are more important things than sport, and family is definitely one of them. So uh, all best wishes and everything goes out to the Young's family through this very difficult time. And um, hopefully, you know, it'll all be with a good outcome. Fingers crossed. And yeah, so, so on that somber note, we are now at the um, end of the podcast. So um, that was it. That was episode five. Um, I'm looking forward to... The Champions Cup next week, which will the final, which will be Saracens versus Clermont Tavern. Clermont Tavern have this kind of monkey on their back where they've um, made a large number of finals, but never won it <laughs> at all, despite being this really star-studded field squad. And it'd be interesting to see, especially with players like Dave Strettel and Nick Abendanen, who are English players within Clermont Tavern, coming up against some of their English counterparts like um, Chris Ashton um, and Alex Good and Owen Farrell and some of the forwards as well. It'd be really interesting to see. And Saracens have developed this pedigree where I believe they currently have the longest winning sequence within European rugby in a European rugby competition. So uh, non-domestic league, but more of the European league. And this would potentially be their third win in a row, I think is what it might be. Uh, which would put them level with Toulon as something as the only ever second club to have done so. And they know how to win big games. They just seem to win everything at the minute. So I, I honestly cannot look beyond Saracens as winners for that. In terms of predicting a scoreline, I really don't know. I think it would be too close to call. But I, I think Saracens will win it overall. And um, and yeah, so, it's, it's, so we've got that coming up in the next week. There's Gloucester in the final of the Challenge Cup as well. Um, so that would be a really interesting game to see whether or not they claim that playoff place to be in the Champions Cup next year. We then start the week after the playoffs, So and hopefully there'll be some signing announcements over the, for clubs in the Aviva Premiership over the next few weeks as well. It's going to yeah, it's gonna be a fun time, especially leading into um, the Lions Tour as well. So thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, hit the subscribe button rate it in itunes leave some comments and like i said earlier you can hit me up on social media so twitter at jeremy springall and that is j-e-r-e-m-y-s-p-r-i-n-g-a-l-l and also on facebook so facebook.com views from the line out and that's it for this week thanks very much for listening see you soon (laughs) 